and it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome, welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. Please turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 2, verse 20. Originally preached to his congregation in Pennsylvania, Pastor Elliot continues, Today we see that the tolerance of sin led to sexual addictions within the church at Thyatira. The price of purity is high, while the initial price for impurity is low. However, the final price for impurity is extremely high, unaffordable. The Holy Spirit's control of the believer is the only hope for winning over sexual temptations. And now, with his message for this morning, our senior pastor, Robert Elliott. Look at verse 20, would you? We're going to look at verses uh, 20 to 22. But I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and she teaches and leads my bondservants astray so that they commit acts of immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, and she does not want to repent of her immorality. Behold, I will throw her on a bed of sickness and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of her deeds. This, as I mentioned, this Jezebel was a pseudonym, really, for a, another woman who had a different name. But she was a copycat of Jezebel. She was godless. She was reckless. She was out of control. And she sexually compromised herself as well as people that she drew to herself. She encouraged them to have sexual compromised sin. And will you notice what happens or what can happen to believers when surrounded by such a temptation of such a Jezebel? First of all, in verse 20, you tolerate. That's the first step down. You tolerate. Well, the movie isn't that bad. There's only one bedroom scene. The language is filthy, but the plot is good. The video game is extremely violent and rated beyond what my parents allowed me to play with, but what do they know? It doesn't bother my life with Christ. Toleration. And will you notice after they tolerated this woman, she teaches and leads my bondservants astray. And so the progression is, first you tolerate the intolerable, and then second, the intolerable leads you into sexual addiction. That's the way it goes. They started by tolerating Jezebel, maybe to make a living, maybe to be in the trade guild, maybe to get by. They tolerated her. And then after they tolerated the intolerable, the intolerable led them into sexual addiction. And so we could say that the price of purity for the Thyatirans was high initially. The price of purity was high. They could not join the trade guilds in good conscience before a pure and holy God. And so they might lose their livelihood. They might not be able to eat. They might not have a home. That was a high price for purity. What was the price for impurity for them? Well, it was initially very low. You sleep around, you eat gourmet foods and first-class wines. And so the price tag initially was very, very low for them. But ultimately, the price tag for their impurity and the price tag for our impurity, if we choose impurity, is extremely high. 
The price tag for chosen impurity is so high, as a matter of fact, that God says that Jezebel, whoever this woman was, he called her Jezebel, she was going to have mimicked in hell what she had chosen on earth. She had a luxuriant bed of fornication and adultery on earth, and God was going to give her a bed of conscious torment sickness in hell. We reap what we sow. And the thing was, because the church of Thyatira was 40 years old when this letter was given to it, they had second-generation believers in the church of Thyatira. And when the first-generation believers capitulated and gave in and caved to Jezebel and her um, immoralities and idolatries, their kids made that choice as well. You do realize that more of your values are caught than taught, parents, Kids aren't really listening to what you say that much. They're watching what you do. And you can say the right things, but if you don't live up to what you've said, then they hitch into what you live. More is caught than taught. And those second-generation believers in Thyatira, when they saw compromised parents caving into the trade guilds and Jezebel cult, they did too. And God says, I'm going to judge you on that one. 23. God says, and I will kill her children. That's the second generation of sexually compromised churchgoers in Thyatira with pestilence. And all the church will know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your deeds. Hell has degrees and levels of punishment. Here and then again in Revelation 20, it's clear that when a person's name is not found written in the Lamb's Book of Life and they're sentenced to the lake of fire or hell, it is according to their deeds that are kept in a book by the Savior. There are different degrees of punishment and torment in hell. Now, the other thing that we learn about Thyatira as a place was that it was militarily indefensible. Pergamum last time, we said, was situated on a citadel, 1,000-foot elevation over sea level. Thyatira was the opposite. Thyatira was in a valley. Thyatira as a city was in a 40-mile-long valley that slowly led up to Pergamum. Anybody who knows anything about military strategy knows that you cannot defend yourself in a valley. And so the city fell to conquerors and rose up again and fell to conquerors and rose up again and fell to conquerors. That was Thyatira's history. They were indefensible. But do you know, as I thought about it this week, just like the ancient city in the valley was indefensible from marauders and crusaders and armies that wanted to take them over, you and I are indefensible in our Christian walks without the Spirit of God being our strength. Because we have a Trojan horse within us as believers. It's called our flesh. And the only thing that will battle the civil war within me about my flesh and the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. And as I ask him to control me and to empower me and to strengthen me to say no to sin and yes to righteousness, he will and does. But if I get careless, if I get forgetful, if I get enticed by my own lust into sin, then my life is indefensible in my own smarts, in my own strength, in my own stamina. My life is indefensible without the Spirit of God, and so are your lives. And so we need something. We need the Holy Spirit moment to moment to have full control over us, what we think, what we say, what we 
do. You have airbags in your cars, and I have an airbag in my car. You have smoke detectors in your houses, and I have smoke detectors in my house. Do you know what's true about smoke detectors, airbags, and the Holy Spirit? It's better to have them and not need them than to need them and not have them. Now, we need the Holy Spirit constantly because our lives are indefensible against the temptations of Satan without him being our guard and our defender and our strength. Maybe that means that when you face whatever you do face by way of temptation, eating, sexuality, anger, that you have an accountability partner of the same gender, a person that you say, could I meet with you once a week for coffee? And these are my issues. You're not going to tell anybody my issues, and I promise I won't tell anybody your issues. We just talk to each other. And then you share with that person what you want to be held accountable for. Then every week, that person has permission to ask you about those things, and the question also to ask, have you lied to me about anything you just said? It's a two-way street. Because in the valley of the flesh, we are indefensible against things like the Jezebel cult that have different faces now. We need the Holy Spirit of God to reign and to rule in our hearts and lives, and we need to bring someone alongside us of the same gender to be an accountability partner. I challenge you to do that if you have not ever done that. Pray about who that would be, and then ask. Because we know that, it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, that if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. It's when we think we're standing firm, when we look at someone who falls into moral failure or a pragmatic greed and, th- and thievery, and we say, I'd never do that. That's when you're the closest to doing it. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning, this is Pastor Nicholas, and today we want to continue talking about Jesus and culture and how Jesus wants us as believers to not just stay away from culture, but he wants us to make sure that we are interacting with the culture so that we can make a change in people's lives because we show them what it is to be like Christ. As we're going to look at this morning, we're going to look at how Jesus himself made sure that he interacted with culture because he wanted to make sure that he set an example for us on how we should engage and interact with those around us. You see, we need to understand, as, as we have heard before, a saying in the world, that we need to be in the world, but not of the world. These exact words don't appear in Scripture, but they are probably, as we think about the passage we're going to look at, as Jesus prays for his disciples, as he knows he's going to be betrayed, and he knows that he's going to be on the cross, taken to the cross to die for our sins. He says a prayer that's called a high priestly prayer, and it's very important for us to understand as he prays for his disciples. And I want us to really understand, because I think too many times, even in our own lives, as we consider how we think about culture, we are to try to stay away from things that we know can engage us and cause us to engage in sin. But we need to understand that we need to interact with those because we are living in a lost world. We are living in a world that people will look at our lives and they will say whether or not we are born again or not. And Jesus called us to live a life that is holy. He has called us to live a life that is set apart, that is different, that we be sanctified. And this morning we will look at John chapter 17, starting at verse 13 to 19. It says, Now I am coming to you, and I speak these things in the world so that they have my joy completed in them. I have given them your word. 
the world hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Let me just stop there for a second as we consider these verses as Jesus is coming and he's talking to the Father and he is saying, look, this is what I have done. People in this world, they do not like me because I don't do the things of this world. And he makes it very clear that the only way we can find hope, the only way that we can find how we are to live in this world is through the Word of God. And I think that so many times in our lives, we think that we can fight in our own or we think that we can stay away from temptation or we think that we can not interact with sin on our own. But the reality is that we can't. We need Jesus Christ in our lives. We need God to help us. We need God to guide us and direct us. And we need to understand that as we think about a call to holiness, to live a life that is different, that is pure, that we need to engage in God's word because God's word is the manual to our lives. God's word shows us what it is in our lives that we need to change. It shows us what the world has to offer and how we are to fight against what the world has to offer. And verse 14 said that I have given them your word. The world hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. We have talked previously in sessions talking about how the world is going to hate us. And we need to understand that the world is going to hate us because we are not following the patterns of this world. We are not doing the things that the world wants us to do because the reality is is a lot of us, even as you think of peer pressure, it's so easy to be following the the patterns of this world, to be following the things that people want you to do and to be accepted by them. But the reality is that when we consider what God's word says, that we need to be different as as we consider to just be accepted by those who we are around, that at the end of the day, they're they're only going to be our friends when we do the things that they want us to do. We need to ask ourselves, who am I willing to please? Who am I willing to, to identify with? Am I willing to identify with those people who really don't have my back, that like me when I do what they want? Or do I have people in my life that are encouraging me to live and pursue this life of holiness that God wants me to do? And we need to really ask ourselves that because I think too many times, as you think of of students, it's so easy in school to just follow the crowd, to be the person that does what everyone else wants wants me to do. But we need to understand that Jesus is saying here that, you know, once you follow the world, the world's going to love you to death. But if you follow me, the world's not going to love you. It's going to hate you. Verse 15 is even say, says this, I am not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. And I think this is very important, and I think that we want to just close, and as we think of this is the last verse we're going to look at this morning, because I think that this has so much for us to think about. Jesus is not saying that I want you to take them out of this world, God, my Father. I want you, you to, you know, Keep them from harm and danger. No, he doesn't say that. But he says that he wants them to be in this world to make a difference. He wants them to be protected because he understands that things are going to come in and they're going to be attacked by the evil one. And the question comes to each one of us as born-again believers, whether you're listening to this and you're a student or whether you're an older person, is this. What are you doing in your job? What are you doing in your school? What are you doing to make a difference, to make an impact? Because God has placed you in that place for a reason. You're not there by mistake. You're not there because it's only by chance, but God has a purpose for you being there. God has a purpose because he created each one of us for a purpose. And I think too many times in our lives, we think that we are to just stay away from all the things that are Uh, worldly because, you know, we don't want to 
interact with the world. But the, the bottom line is this. We live in a fallen world. We live with people that don't know Christ around us every single day of our lives. The question becomes, how am I making an impact? How am I being called to holiness in that particular area, wherever God has me? Again, as Jesus said, I am not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Again, this is so important for us to think about because I think that as we consider that, that Jesus himself understands that we in this world, that we are going to face trials, we're going to face tribulation, we're going to face problems, he understands that we need protection from his Father. And I think that if we had to ask ourselves, who else would we want to be praying on the behalf? As he thinks, as we think of this, as he's praying for his disciples, he understands that as his disciples are now going to face this world without him, because they've walked with him, they've seen him live, they've seen how he's performed miracles, and now he's leaving them. He's praying for their protection as they go out and preach the gospel. And we understand that as they go out and preach the gospel, many came to know Christ. And as we think of the early church, we understand that God had a purpose and Christ understood that they would need the protection. And I think that we need to understand, if you're listening to this this morning, ask yourself this question. What am I doing in my job? What am I doing in my school? What am I doing in my home? What am I doing as we consider to live a life of holiness? Because I think that as we consider that, and if we consider to live a life of holiness, we will consider what we can do for Christ and how we can make an impact wherever God has us. This is Pastor Nicholas, and you've been listening to Utah. And now, today's ministry spotlight. We're in the middle of a conversation between Pastor Elliot and Rhonda Darville, who is the founder and executive director of the Bahamas God Parent Center. We will resume from where we left off last time. Contraceptives are not safe sex. Right, right. <laughs> there is no such thing. Right. And so the big push right now is contraceptives or abortion or, you know, population control. Mm -hmm. And none of those things are going to stop that because it's not 100% effective. Yes, indeed. So that brings me to the observation, and I'd like you to expand upon it, that the Godparent, Bahamas Godparent Center is a faith-based yes. ministry. Yes. And so how does a Christian faith factor into what you do with your clients? Well, Christian faith for us, first of all, we look at that in, we're all created in the image of God. Yes. Period. Um, his greatest commandment was for us to love one another. Mm -hmm. More so to love the least of these. Yes. I believe Jesus's walk and his 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 ministry showed us to love the least of these. You know, the Bible tells us, you know, they called him a whoremonger running in bars because he lived and he worked and he wanted to reach the sinners. Yes. You know, we go back to the parable of um, the lost sheep. He went after the one. Yes, he did. He left the 99. And so that's what our ministry does. We look to the least of these. Those who are suffering, those who are orphaned, those who are, you know, cast out by society. Mm -hmm. You know, again, we live in a society where that unwed mother 
that woman who's found herself in this position, she is some, sometimes a lot of time castigated for the choices that she's made. Yes. Lots of times, though, unfortunately, she was pressured into those situations, mm-hmm. you know, because, again, we're not just seeing um, older women. Sometimes you see younger women. So a younger woman, why is she in that situation? She's a high school student, mm-hmm. but there's a there's been a prey on women in our society for many years. Yes, and so they ca- they catch the brunt of it yes. and the men walk away. And so for us, we, we believe that that's our place. But we also, we believe that that father also, though, is the least of these. Uh-huh. Again, because he hasn't been taught mm-hmm. what it is. What does it, what does it look like to be a man? You know, a not man. exactly not, you know, not a man who walks around macho I'm doing this and doing that. But a real man. How do I how do I become a head? And yeah. that, you can only become a head if you understand the word of God. Yes. <laughs> and so um, I know your ministry well enough to be able to say that not only is the scriptures uh, a motivation for your attitude toward the least of people, mm-hmm. but you unapologetically share the way of salvation. Yes. That Jesus Christ, when he becomes your Savior and your Lord, it changes yes. all, everything. You know, that's the first thing. Yes. Before we work with anyone, we need them to understand who we are. We don't want them to be taken by surprise. Yes. That's the first thing. Do you understand who we are? We are a faith base. This is what we believe. Every session we have with you. So typically, if a person decides that they're going to parent and work with us, we have a two-year program. Wow, good. So if they're coming to us on a weekly basis, that means that we have one up to 102 Mm -hmm. opportunities to share the word with them. Fantastic. And that's rare. It sure is. It sure is. And that's wonderful. It's not just rare. It's wonderful because I firmly believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is the only true answer to all the problems. I believe that, too. Yes. In the Bahamas, but in the world. In the world. Across the board. Across the board. If you look, all countries have taken a drift away from that type of thinking, the the word of God, and they've taken God out of their schools, out of their churches, separation of church and states, um, and all these things. And so now you see this drifting away. Well, if you're drifting away from good, you can only drift towards evil. The playing field is not neutral. Exactly. (laughs) That's right. Thank you for that. Um, Someone's listening right now. They're saying, boy, I could use that help myself or I have a daughter who or son who could use that help or I have a granddaughter or a grandson etc uh, they're probably wondering one of the things is what is the cost involved to do this <laughs> the cost to you to come to us is free wow free free um, we don't want to hinder anyone who has a need from being able to receive the services that we give not only that we believe that everything that God has given to us, he's given to us freely. Yes. So then we want to be able to give that back. Praise the, the Lord. That's, ex- that's exciting. And, you know, if there's, if there's any um, Christian ministry in the world that smacks of self-service and self-profiting, th- something like this, where you say, we're going to do a lot in Jesus' name mm-hmm. for you. We're going to spend a lot of time with you, yes. a lot of loving on you, and it's not going to cost you financially. That cuts through all those wonderments. That's all the time we have for today. We'll pick up from there next time, Lord willing. For more information on the Bahamas Guard Parent Center, you can phone them at 698-4306. 
It's time for answers to your questions. We urge you to take a moment and get a pen and paper and take down the references used so that you can do your own study later on. We here at Echoes of Calvary are always excited to receive your letters of support and your questions, which we seek to answer right away and also here on the show. You can send us your letters at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com. Today, Pastor Elliot draws from Carl Laney's excellent book, Answers to Tough Questions. This book was published back in 1997. And once again, here is Pastor Robert Elliot. I have a question here from Acts chapter 8, verses 9 to 24, which is a rather extended passage, but I'd like to read it for you, Acts 8, 9 to 24. Now, there was a certain man named Simon who formerly practiced magic in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming to be someone great. And they all from the smallest to the greatest were giving attention to him, saying, This man is what is called the great power of God. And they were giving him attention because he had for a long time astonished them with his magic arts. But when they believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized men and women alike. And even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued on with Philip as he observed signs and great miracles taking place. He was constantly amazed. Now, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen upon any of them, They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When they began laying their hands on them and they were receiving the Holy Spirit, now when Simon saw that the Spirit was bestowed through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give this authority to me as well, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have no part or portion in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Therefore, repent of this wickedness of yours and pray the Lord that, if possible, the intention of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in in the gall of bitterness and in the bondage of iniquity. But Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me yourselves, so that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Well, that's an interesting historical account, to be sure. And the question is, was Simon the magician genuinely converted when he believed? Although Simon believed and was baptized, the evidence indicates that he did not experience personal regeneration. Peter rebuked him, saying, Your heart is not right before God, in Acts 8, verse 21. He viewed Simon, quote, as in the bondage of iniquity, verse 23, and urged him, quote, to repent of this wickedness, end quote, and to seek God's forgiveness, in verse 22. It may be that Simon was like the Cretans who professed a relationship with God but were devoid of the reality. See Titus chapter 1, verse 16. Jesus said, 
You will know them by their fruits in Matthew 7.20. What do you think? Do you think Simon gave evidence of the fruit of faith? Well, I don't. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.